I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. We're all about the archers. I'm Philippa. And I'm Quentin. Today, we have not one, but we have two glorious actors from The Archers. We have Ben Norris and Madeline Leslie. Guys, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having us. Hi. Yes, welcome both. And Ayot Midok from your home county of Nottinghamshire, Ben. Thank you very much. Now, you two haven't been an item for quite a while now in The Archers, have you? But you are back together on stage in a play called A Leap in the Dark, all about the BBC's first ever radio play, which is rather appropriate, I think, for Ben and Chelsea. Yeah, so we're at the New Vic in Stoke, well, in Newcastle under Lyme, technically. And, and yeah, we're doing this kind of comedy caper about the first ever BBC radio drama, which, as you say, was 100 years ago. Almost to the month, and it, mm. the, the exact anniversary happened while we were in rehearsals, which was lovely. Oh, lovely. And it's very, very based on the real story, but with some liberties taken for the purposes of amusement and entertainment. It's all a lot more last minute and slapdash in our version than it probably was in real life. But it's really, really fun and funny and bizarre and chaotic but also really big hearted. And, and what's lovely to do it, and especially to do it with Maddie, is that it, it, it's also a, a love letter to radio, really, and also to theatre. Yeah. And it really embraces the joys and the, the peculiarities of those two mediums. And yeah, we're having lots of fun. Oh, it's so much fun. And the great thing about this theatre as well is that it's in the round. So wow. you can't hide anything. <laughs> and yeah, you're, the audience can see everything from all sides, which is obviously very different from radio where you can't see anything it's all in your mind yes. so uh, yeah so so it's all about isn't it the the birth of radio plays it's the celebration of the first ever radio play is that right and yeah. if i've read it correctly is it that the wireless as you call them in those days manufacturers were saying look what you're putting out is really boring why should we continue to make these radios give us something more interesting is that is that the premise of it maddie yeah pretty much there's a character called lady hartley in in the play 
um, and I play her daughter. Yeah, it's basically just like it. They're not selling because <laughs> am I right in saying this? Yeah, they're yeah. just not playing things that appeal to to lots of people, and not very many people could have wirelesses in their homes because yeah. they were very expensive, and so they wanted something that people would really sort of want to listen to. Although there's a kind of like a Machiavellian version of it in our play where she's trying to catch them out and she wants the play to kind of do really badly and in fact actually it does really well and then hence why now we have lots yes. yeah yeah she wants the play to fail because yeah. she wants the bbc to lose their monopoly so that we can have a million different stations all blasting out all manner of things like they did in america and she wants there to be a sort of commercial free-for-all for adverts and things um, but then when she hears the play without wanting to give too much away her mind has right. changed. <laughs> yes. So it, it's really interesting, obviously, to think now with, with the ubiquity of radio and how there's at least one in every house, if not one in every room of every house. And, and to think that it was it was not ever so is, yeah, it's really interesting. Mm. Just fantastic. And it's on till the 2nd of March. So people could still book to come and see you. We'll put a link in the show notes, but there are still some seats available, I believe. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, we finish on the second. Fantastic. So go, go, go. I, I, I'm interested in the carryover from The Archers to your stage play. I mean, have you been able to carry over your acting experience from The Archers into this stage play about a radio play? It's really interesting. It's, there's, yeah. there's, there's one central scene in, in the second act, which the whole play kind of leads towards and then away from, which is them actually recording the first ever radio drama. Mm. And we, we spent a lot of time talking about how much they would have known or not known about microphone technique. Is it is it funnier for them to be entirely incompetent and ill-versed at this thing? Or what have they, what have they <laughs> interested from the, the, the few people who at that time were working with microphones, news readers and, and that kind of thing? So things like turning away from the mic to turn the pages, which obviously we do in the arches still, but doing it in a very kind of rudimentary and exaggerated <laughs> way, making sound effects with whatever they had available. And, and that's a huge part of that scene. And, and what I think is delightful about it is the ways we've found one of the characters is kind of employed at the last minute to do sound effects yes. entirely not her department she's a she's a cleaner at the bbc she doesn't know what's going on <laughs> she has to just make do with what she and and that's so in a way it, it's been a lot about undoing all the things that the archers has taught me about radio <laughs> and embracing complete ignorance yeah coming at it from a yeah as if you've never done it before yeah yeah so it's like reverse learning for you two yes yeah um, I understand uh, Mrs. Baines, who you referred to, has to improvise using potatoes and kippers. Is that right? Yeah, we, we yeah, sort was... of came up with this rule where we thought, wouldn't it be funny <laughs> if we limited the sound effects to only what she happened to have on her? And she's just been to do her weekly grocery shop. A bag of veg, just got a kipper in some newspaper, and that's about it. And uh, she has to make food. Yeah. yeah, it's really fun to sort of restrict yourself like that. And also, we're trying to, as Maddie said, the theatre's in the round, so we're trying to we're trying to do a radio play where we all have to gather around a microphone, but in a way that doesn't exclude sixty percent of the room. Yeah. So finding reasons mm. to move position that mm. aren't too contrived. Mm. Yeah, it's been a really interesting technical challenge as well. Mm. Yeah, I'm not actually in that big radio scene, but I have watched it, and it is worth coming to the show. Alone for that one scene. It's very good. <laughs> I, I, I like this in the publicity for your production. The notes ask, will the actors be able to hold the listeners' attention with only their voices? And how will audiences know what on earth is going on? And it struck me, this is what we listeners wonder every time we switch on the arches. <laughs> 13 minutes later, miraculously, most of the time we do. Yeah. Not always, yes. 
<laughs> well, talking of the archers, which we need to discuss. So some of our listeners have literally listened from the first episode of The Archers, and some of them have just started listening within the last few weeks to The Archers and, and wow. don't know as much about okay. the characters. So can we start, can you, for those new listeners, and I'm interested in what your perspectives on this are, can you give us a bit of a summary of your characters? So I play Chelsea Horovin. She is 19 now. She's an aspiring hairdresser, and I think she's very good at it. I think she will go places, hopefully still in Ambridge, though. <laughs> Set up a salon. She's feisty. I love her so much. She's got a heart of gold, but often gets it wrong, gets into trouble a lot, rubs people up the wrong way. But also, I reckon she's quite lovable at the same time. And she's, yeah, the daughter of Tracy Horobin. Can you give us a burst of Chelsea, Maddie? Go on, I'm desperate oh to hear it. You're right. What are you talking about? Oh, Mum, why do I have to? Uh, like that, basically. Just lots of sighing <laughs> yes. and sniffing, but well, also getting excited. Excited, yeah. How did you... And we'll get on to Ben's character in a minute, but since we're talking about your accent, how did you build that? Because it's it's it mirrors Tracy, but it's different. I mean, there's no there's there's no dispute that you two are related. It's it, You click so well. Well, yeah. I think I said before, I just... When it came to the audition, I just listened on loop to Susie Riddell, who plays Tracy's voice, to get that in. But then as I think I've been playing Chelsea now for three years, I think it is. And just with time, it's just sort of changed a little bit. And with some influences from like, I've watched a lot of influencers on social media because I was like, well, that's what she watches. And I think she'd take that on. <laughs> Same as like Americanisms and that kind of thing. So it's just all kind of led in but I mean her voice we were talking about this the other day actually her voice will change over time because as an adult yeah. she won't sound like that so I'm really intrigued as yeah. to how because that will change because your voice Chelsea's voice is all attitude really isn't it I mean you just convey yeah. this attitude healthy <laughs> and bubbly and yeah. lots of attitude but also I found when we did the storyline where she got pregnant also can be very childish and and mm. quite vulnerable as well tell us about Ben Ben so Ben is the youngest son of David and Ruth of Brookfield. And he was briefly at uni doing sort of politics and history and then dropped out and started doing a nursing course. And then while he was doing that nursing course, he and his partner went on a break. And during that break, these two had a little had a little situation uh, in the wood. <laughs> yeah, Chelsea fell pregnant and decided relatively late on to get a termination, which she dealt with very well. And Ben, I don't want to say dealt with badly, dealt with differently. Ben, it hit Ben a lot mm. harder. And I think he was really wrestling with the consequences of what he'd done and how it affected Chelsea. So he had a psychotic episode. He had a, a nervous breakdown, basically, and dropped out of his course for, well, postponed his, his studies for a year while he sort of recovered and went to work in in the the nursing home to kind of re-engage with society and with with his interest in nursing and caring responsibilities and, and now has resumed his studies so yes it looks like he's going in a direction that is away mm. from farming oh i should say he's he's in his early 20s so both maddie and my characters are 
almost a, exactly a decade younger, younger than, than our actual spouse. <laughs> Which is good because you get to relive the ritual humiliation about the letter. But but we should say Ben's changed his studies to nursing now, hasn't he? So yes. he's, that's yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah, yeah. And you got to care for um, a certain Jasper Carrot, otherwise known as Sykesy, mm-hmm. didn't you? Yeah, which was a tremendous thrill to to meet and work with Jasper, who is every bit as bubbly and as funny and as as warm and charming as you would hope and expect he would be from what you see of him in the public eye, despite his character being uh, a cantankerous old... <laughs> but yeah, we had a lot of fun together. He's very generous. And, and yeah. what was interesting is he hadn't done a great deal of radio drama. And so okay. he was very humble in terms of asking others in the cast for their hmm. advice and support in terms of technical things, even though you're working with a kind of titan of show business. So that was was really lovely. He's just very, very real, mm. genuine. And he's a big Archers fan, isn't he? Am I, have I got that yeah. right? And yeah, and his daughter yeah. was in the show years ago. He yes. has a long connection yes. with Ambridge, which is really nice. Do you think the whole gagriculture idea was framed on the basis that we've got Jasper in? Do you think Jasper came first or gagriculture came first? Which way around was it? I don't know. They're very shrewd, the producers, aren't they? Yes. Did Jacob absolutely wipe the floor? Which is brilliant. Love that. Yeah, I think they're really good at finding, obviously, so much of the story building is happens over years and years and such long-term planning, but they're also quite good at being reactive to, to mm. events in the world or to things that happen with casting. And it can be really, yeah, really ingenious. And yes. so I wouldn't be surprised if it was an idea that followed Jasper's casting, but I might be wrong. Yeah. You mentioned the, the scenes of difficulties that Ben Archer went through and I have to say those were extraordinary and I thank you for how you played them because they moved us all so much and meant a lot so thank you so much for that well they they really did but I'm interested in memorable scenes because it might not be those very climatic dramatic moments they might be the more mundane moments but for both of you what what are your memorable flashbacks that come to mind when you think about your characters one immediately comes to me that is just it's not necessarily specific scene but it's more specific kind of like set of scenes or environ and and that is just how much joy i got working with paddy green as my grandma jill archer and how you know we were talking about the characters being younger than us and how that means we get to relive certain bits of our past but in a way it meant I also you know my own gran had dementia and was you know sort of fading quite quickly when I was Ben's age but when I remember her at her sparkiest I feel very lucky to have had those times but I didn't have as many of them as I would have liked and so perhaps this is going to sound incredibly sentimental but it, it I feel like I have a second family in the show and I feel like in Paddy I have a second grandma um, or a third grandma because obviously I did have two grandmas yeah there's so much warmth and care and such a twinkle in her eyes she's one of the most wonderful people I've ever met and worked with and so kind to when I first joined the show just in terms of taking me under her wing I mean everybody was but I really enjoyed those those slower scenes where it would be stir up Sunday or whatever when I was first playing the character of making the Christmas cake or walking with Leonard and Jill out in the orchard and talking about just how you're reminded of the length of the show and talking about her her previous marriage and how this part of the woodland reminded her of 
Bill and and just how long what 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 a privilege it is to belong to such a lineage, a theatrical lineage, and how much it's touched people's lives, the fictional people and real listeners over the years. And and so yeah, I've really loved being being a part of that. That was lovely. That's so nice. That is lovely. Maddie, what about you? Oh, gosh. Well, I always remember... I just... I really love the scenes with Chelsea and Blake. I really loved those because they were, like, almost at the start of when I... Yeah, pretty much the second block I ever did. I think those two characters got on and it it was really fun to play around with those. But also, I think another one that sticks in my mind is doing Russ's hair <laughs> like those episodes like just those silly haircutting ones that don't have any emotional weight necessarily but they're very silly and they're so much fun to do so yeah probably something like that oh and driving as well driving <laughs> right that's when you really met Blake wasn't it yeah. <laughs> talking of grandparents uh, Maddie mm-hmm. could you paint a could you paint a picture of your granddad please Bert Horobin in your mind's eye what's he like <laughs> Oh, my God, I have such a clear picture of him. But I, I'm anxious to say that because I know that with radio, some people have their vision. I don't, I don't mind. I need I need yeah, a picture. Won't be the same, but I imagine him in, like, a string vest. So he probably is nothing like that. But in my head, and I was talking to um, Taylor, who plays Brad, we both kind of agreed that, yeah, he's a bit sort of slobs about. Yeah, is he a bit, like is he, is he a bit, is he a bit smelly? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, maybe, he is. maybe not. I don't, I don't want to do him a big disservice. I, th- I think he's in a three-piece suit every day. <laughs> Bow tie, dinner jacket. <laughs> he might be. He might be. Well, he loved the fashion show, though, Maddie, didn't he? He did a great job in. The Couldn't get him off. No, the audience loved him. Well, I'm glad you've. You mentioned the string vest because that that was sort of in my my head as well. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Apologies yeah. to anyone that disagrees. What about you, Philippa? How do you imagine Bert? Yeah, it's possibly a bit like Jim Royal from the Royal Family. I don't know. I That's could imagine. It. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Now, we don't want any spoilers, but I am interested in what you both hope for your characters in the future. Ben, I I do hope that Ben Archer's not having to run the bed and breakfast again. And Maddie, I hope Chelsea has a hairdresser at the charging station. But that's just me. What do you both hope for your characters? Well, selfishly, for them to live in Ambridge until they die at a very old age. (laughs) I really liked the Ben and Chelsea storyline because hitherto... Ben had been whiter than white in terms of his sort of, he was everyone's favourite, inoffensive son of Ambridge. 
And I think, you know, not that he did anything wrong necessarily, but it was nice to have a, a storyline that complicated him and made him more human and vulnerable and a bit flawed. And so I, I suppose, um, yeah, I, I hope that he, I hope that his, his mental health, if I'm talking about him as I, what I hope for him in terms of his, his well-being as if he were real, I would hope for him to, to be psychologically well and to be, to be able to nurse in whatever capacity he, he decides he wants to do that in Ambridge and to be an active part of that. But I suppose for me, like it's, it's always good to have some of the meatier mm. theatrical storylines to get your teeth into. But I do just love being in and around the place and contributing to other people's storylines. And that's, that's sort of the, that's the bread and butter of it really. And then you have your moments in the spotlight, but then you go back to contributing ambiently so yes i think for him to nurse i don't know whether he will ever get i would i wouldn't mind maybe selfishly just because it's the it's integral thrust of the show but i wouldn't mind if he like dipped his toe back into agriculture a bit i don't know what's going to happen to brookfield the the whole succession storyline that hangs around every big farm but we'll have to see well david's given up hasn't he your dad i mean he's in the bull all the time now <laughs> he is he was helping out wasn't he He's driving really yeah. nuts. I'd also love to have a family and for that for there mm-hmm. to be that continuation of the what's because just that sense of being in the show for so long and the ways that you go from being the you look at say the the Grundies who were the, the the kind of young ruffians and now they're like they're the middle aged dads of the show and then I just mm-hmm. I really just love that kind of the pace mm-hmm. of life itself. It's gorgeous. So I would I would love for him to not necessarily anytime soon, but whenever it is right for the story to uh, yeah to move through those life stages basically mm. and for us to get to see that happen with him or to hear that with him maddie what about for chelsea oh as you said hairdresser in ambridge everyone comes in <laughs> talks about their life chelsea fixes it fixes their hair they leave happy she gets a dog <laughs> as i think i said before like i'd love to see who she's get like romantically what's going on there because i don't know her in that way yet yeah. mm. I, i've not met her in that sense so yeah. that would be cool to explore but maybe that's i don't know maybe she's not into that at the moment just wanted to do well yeah and what yeah. about this charging station it's all gone very quiet because i mean we all thought maybe you could move up there open a hair salon there well, i mean hope so it's all gone that was a big story for for a long while and we've heard nothing nowt for months there they sort your stuff out it's forms to be filled in yeah planning forms ready. to be for you yes <laughs> Yes. Patience, patience. This has gone on for 70 years. Come on, I need to be patient. Yeah, yeah, I do. Okay. If there was a TV crossover with the Archers, what would you like to see? It could be Traitors, Bake Off, The Apprentice. Where would you like to see the sort of the Archers mix with TV? Well, go on. Who would be faithful? I would love to see Linda Snell in a in a traitor capacity. I would pay good money for that. Yeah. Um, and Joy as well. She could be a traitor. Yeah, and I also think lovely. I think oh, the Bake Off is the obvious choice, but for some reason I'm drawn to be like maybe because we're in Stoke. I'm like, what would a great pottery throwdown oh, archers yeah. like? There's some handy love people it. in the village and some clumsy people. <laughs> I went and tried to do a pottery thing the other day at one of the one of the potteries here, and I was useless. <laughs> I've got this bowl, but it's not going to be it's not going to be able to stand on the table or hold any liquid. 
but somebody <laughs> decided to get it delivered to my house. Yeah. There'll be some abstract bars on the shelf somewhere as a danger to everyone who passes underneath it. But anyway, it was fun. So we come to the question which is given to us by the last cast member we interviewed to ask you. The last person we interviewed was John Telfer, who of course plays the Reverend Alan Franks. And his question what? for you was, <laughs> is there any hope for a relationship for you both. After the incident in the wood, yeah, I thought, I wonder whether, especially because there was such a will they won't lay about keeping the baby, mm. and whether that would have then tied, well, obviously it would have tied them together in whatever way that would have looked. But yeah, I thought, I wonder whether we, we, we might get, and again, this isn't based on any inside knowledge, just on my own really thoughts don't as a person, anything. but just I wonder whether that we'll get the sense of it was it was totally the wrong time and totally the wrong moment, but maybe there will be a, a right time and a right moment for them when they're in a completely different moment of their lives, much mm -hmm. older, perhaps they'll have some other false starts first, but I did think, oh, I wonder if that's an interesting destination for them both. But also, This is a beautiful, scary thing about working on this show, like, yeah, no, I you don't know <laughs> character that hasn't even been sorted up yet. Yeah, it Who would knows? be cool to have like a yeah, an Archer Horobin alliance would be pretty wicked. I'd be pro it. Only I love working with Maddie, and we oh. even though we had that big story, we we still didn't do that many scenes together because it was <laughs> mostly us privately thinking out about it with our own families and that kind of thing. So yeah, I would I would love to. Um, it would be very yeah. Let's see what the gods by which we mean the yeah. scriptwriters yeah. throw our way. But, well, let's hope so. Yes. Yeah. Well, we've we've taken up a lot of your time, but I've just got one final quick question, which you are probably expecting. But I know you're busy doing your park runs and being healthy. But biscuits, we have to <laughs> talk biscuits. What's your favourite biscuit, and would it be the same for your character? Do you think? I mean, I'm such. I I love biscuits, so I don't know if I could pick a favourite. It's like a favourite child. But just before we started talking to you, I I had about six. Hobnobs in a row, and normally I'm not the hobnob guy, but in the in the green room biscuit tin, they were just plain old hobnobs, and I remembered the joy of a plain, the purity of a plain mm. hobnob. So, so right now I'm going to go for that, but just because that's the last thing I ate. <laughs> and I don't know about Ben. I feel like a somehow more what's a more wholesome like a malted milk. Yeah, yeah. Like what? What's the most inoffensive frisket? Well, well, Ben, you're in vaulted, you're in vaulted company because uh, Charles chose a hobnob as well, but we think he chose it for rude reasons rather than for actual well, nourishment. <laughs> he did, he did. Maddie, what about you and Chelsea? So I, I've thought about this. Did you um, get asked this last time you were on? Yeah, but I can't answer it properly. Um, but I've thought about it since. I am. Sleep, I, believe. Uh, I, I am. Maybe like a Maryland cookie kind of vibe, but Chelsea okay. is a jammy dodger because... She's got a squidgy heart. That's all, folks. I can't say anything about that. That's so joyous. We can't Fant follow that, can we? No, Fant fantastic. <laughs> Although I do think, you know, um, Paddy Jill Archer's biscuits would be included in there somewhere, Ben, as well. I'm not sure. I can't remember she, she's baked many biscuits, but if, if you were asking what's Ben's sweet treat at large, obviously it's the lemon drizzle no contest because we, we, we've got to stick with Jill on this and, and keep it in the family. And we're not going to start an argument about whether a flapjack is a biscuit or not, but we'll we'll just not even... Well, she's obviously famously used flapjacks as projectiles in... Exactly. <laughs> you don't want to open that can of worms. <laughs> well, it's just wonderful to talk to you both, hear more about your characters, Ben Archer and Chelsea Horobin, 
but also hear more about your production, A Leap in the Dark. And as I say, there will be notes in the show notes for people to be able to go and book tickets. Ben Norris and Madeline Leslie, thank you both so very much. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you. We'll be back next Tuesday. That's it from us. So it's a bye-bye from me. It's a bye-bye from me. Bye-bye, everyone. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.